Welcome to the Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast series. Thanks for taking your time to be here and listen to our series. We're so grateful that you're here. My guess is that if you are here, it's because you are looking for some hope and some healing and some answers in your life, or you might have somebody who is already connected with our services at Life Changing Services, and you're just interested in knowing more about some of these awesome individuals who have used some of the programs at Life Changing Services and their stories to just bring you more perspective in your own journey. And I'm just so grateful for Adam joining us tonight. Hello, Adam. Hi. Adam, I'm so glad that you would join us. I'm so grateful that you're here. Good to be here. Thanks. You're welcome. And tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, just about you as a guy. What do you like to do? What are you up to in your life? Uh, Where are you from? A little bit about your family, stuff like that. Sure. From Utah, born and raised. I am currently a sophomore in college. Served a mission. I'm the oldest of four kids. I've got loving mom and dad back at home. Let's see. Yeah, I'm really busy, really busy with school stuff. Or I, I enjoy studying um, math and economics. And let's see, I'm also involved. Um, I do Spartan races, so like obstacle course races. I like to be active and outdoors. I like to just hang out with friends, have a good time. But pretty much seems it. Just kind of more, but tell us where you served your mission. So I served in Taiwan. What? That is so cool, Taiwan. Yeah. That's so far away from Utah. It is the other side of the world. What was that like? How how long ago did you get back, and what was that like? Sure. So I got back a year and some change. The summer of 2018. And it was, it was an amazing experience. I mean, just the people, the culture over there is so different and kind of backwards from the way that we live. Right. But, uh, it was, it was an awesome, awesome experience to, to, uh, to serve the Lord and, and really give him everything that I, that I have and in such a cool, cool place that he's, that he has created over there. It's so awesome. Do you still remember how to speak the language? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think so, mostly. So it's, it's, it's Mandarin Chinese. Uh, it's very difficult to learn. It takes hard work. I'm still learning. I don't want to say like I've learned it because yeah. it's, it's not really true. It's not really how it works. But um, yeah, I try to keep up on it, read, read the scriptures and pray in Chinese when I can. So. Oh, cool. So could you say, like, kind of repeat in that language? Could you repeat just kind of what you already said? Just try to, just, I want to know what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah, a little Chinese, sure. Yeah, yeah. 啊, 可以帮助到很多人 
为他们服务，对，真的很特别的的,的机会。How's that? <laughs> okay, I, you must have said something cool because I could feel the spirit. I hope you weren't just telling me how to make a peanut butter sandwich or something. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just repeating basically what I already said in earlier in English. So, wow, that's so wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah. And I really,、uh, I, I feel impressed to ask you, how did your, how, do you think your mission was any different because you had an understanding of the that battle and the atonement as well as、um, the enemy, and how that affected you? Did that affect the way you served a mission or taught? What would it have been like without that, or do you think that made a difference? Yes, there is no question in my mind、uh, that there would be a difference for me. Like when we're out on missions,、uh, missionaries will often in zone zone conferences or whatever will be like, you know, like why did you come out on a mission? Like why are you here? Why do you stay on a mission? And、uh, for a lot of missionaries, it might the reason for going out might change over time.、Uh, maybe you go out just because like it's the cultural thing to do.、Uh, I don't know. Want something to do with your life? I don't know. For me, though, from day one to the end, it was because I knew those things that I had already talked about. I knew my relationship with Heavenly Father and, and my relationship with the atonement, and that there were lives out there that I could somehow help, somehow bless、um, with that testimony, and that I needed to be out there. and And I and I had this. Super, super strong desire to just give my all to the Lord because of what I knew He had done for me already. Like I, I went into my mission with this testimony of repentance and and atonement、um, that I'm so grateful that I had because that really motivated me to work hard and and be obedient and、uh, and yeah, just give give everything I have to the Lord, which is what every missionary I think is trying to do. Um, and so I was—I don't know—I was blessed to be able to kind of have that motivation. And on top of that, when we're teaching investigators that are going through struggles and they're trying to understand repentance,、um, I definitely feel like I was able to offer、uh, perspective on repentance and like—and I—I knew the importance of that, right? And so that was something that、um, that I could definitely testify of and, and help. Investigators learn for themselves because I had learned for myself too, right? So I didn't have to really learn on the fly how to teach repentance because I had already learned it for myself. So I, I don't know. I think it was definitely a, a, a benefit, right? And looking back, that I that I had, had that testimony. Definitely. Is there anything on your mission that you can recall working with somebody or doing something that made you feel like? Okay, that affected my mission. Like because of my experience and the struggle I've had, totally affected what happened with that investigator, or with that companion, or yeah. I mean, there's there are a number of examples、uh, with with companions and investigators,、um, and maybe not specific to pornography and masturbation, although sometimes. That that was that was the issue that was able to 
we were able to help. Um, just being able to testify and, uh, and point companions and investigators in, uh, in the direction that they would need to go to help them, I think was just the biggest thing that I was able to offer. Um, nothing, nothing too spectacular or, you know, I didn't have some sort of magic, magic thing that I could offer them other than, you know, my, my testimony, which came from experience. So, yeah, um, yeah, no, no specific examples. Um, yeah. I mean, I can think of a couple of investigators and a companion, but it's definitely. Yeah. How in the world did you get interested in Spartan races? Uh, good question. I've just always been interested in being like physically active. Um, I played baseball all growing up. That was kind of my sport. And in high school, I was playing a rec basketball game with some friends, ended up uh, doing some damage to my shoulder, and I had to get surgery. I could have gotten back to baseball um, if I, you know, really put in the, the work for that recovery, but just kind of, I, I don't know, I had a friend that was, he knew about Spartan races, and he's like, hey, they're coming to Utah, like, you should totally run it with me, and so I did one and got hooked and so kind of I've done a couple since then um that's that's how that happened but so it's just a that outlet you know some competitive outlet for me okay so some people know what a spartan race is and other people can just picture like some you know trojan in a helmet so yeah like what is a spartan race you got to tell because it's intense it's intense so an obstacle course race right so typically they take place on like a ski resort or somewhere you know in the mountains um you're gonna run on trails and then uh there's all these obstacles that you have to do so like jumping over walls um, crawling under barbed wire carrying heavy objects certain distances um stuff like that one time i had to swim through like this pond uh just, yeah, I don't know, just all sorts of different obstacles and then spread out over, could be, could be anywhere from like five miles long to, I've done one that was 15 miles long. So there, there's a lot of variety, but, but that's kind of the gist, like you're, you're trail running with obstacles and um, you kind of have to be all around fit, I guess, to do them. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun. I like the challenge. Yeah. So it's kind of how Rambo trains. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the only question I have is when you do it, is it with a partner or do you do it all by yourself? Just you and your friend ran together, but you both did it individually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I've done, I've done four races and only, so I've done two of them like with someone else and I'm putting that in quotes because it's all individual. Um, but like I will run, we run together, right? We do it together. Um, and then the individual ones, obviously I'm just doing on my, on my running by myself, but like, yeah, it's, it's individual. There, there is a team option. Um, I, I haven't put together a team before, but that is another way of doing it. So you kind of can help each other with the obstacles, right? Um, things like that. Like can people spectate that sport or is yeah. it like, Oh no, that's yeah. just out there. Yeah, uh, my I've always had a parent come and spectate. Uh, it's a little hard because you're spread out over a huge 
you know, a, a trail map, like, you know, all over the mountain, but there are like certain areas where spectators can come watch you do obstacles and stuff. So I don't know. It's fun. It's fun when you, when you usually, usually the spectators will hang out like towards the finish. And so you're just like, just trying to get to where you can see your mom, you know, and then you're like, then you know, you're almost there and, uh, and their cheering kind of helps push you over that, that last little bit where it really starts to hurt. And stuff, so yeah. it's nice. That's excellent. All right. That's so good. Well, I know you, you were in sense of human, um, before your mission. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did you find out about sense of human and, yeah, tell us a little bit about, like, even, yeah, J yeah, just go there. Okay. Um, it's actually a, a kind of a crazy story how I came across Sons of Philman. I was, I was struggling um, with with pornography and masturbation for a while, a number of years, by myself, trying to fight it, and. I, I remember like I was praying, right. I would pray for like some sort of help, right. Some sort of guidance, anything. Cause I'm like, how do I overcome this? Like, I don't know. It was so hard. And one day I was being attacked. I can't really remember exactly the situation, but I ended up basically just like doing a Google search and searching for any sort of resources for addiction recovery. Um, and somehow I came across Sons of Telemann and it, and it stood out. And so I started looking into it more and more. I saw that Maurice had written uh, the book, Like Dragons Did They Fight? And uh, long story short, I, I ended up convincing my mom to first get the book. So I read the book um, and then to to uh have me go to group and um get involved in in that way how old were you when you, when you said hey mom could you order me this book let's get this book i was i was in ninth grade what was that 15 yeah i must have been 15 by then wow so when you um you said you struggled for several years by yourself by yourself is so so hard like whenever I think of my sons that struggled by themselves for years and then when I found out my first thing was I'm feeling like a horrible parent but then after I got over that I kept thinking about how upset it made me that they struggled so hard by themselves with no support so anyway what when did your struggle start and were there any other things that you tried? I've always, I'm just, I, I don't know, naturally kind of curious and, and wanting to like learn about stuff. And I remember when I was in, when I was in the first grade, I was at my friend's house and that was when I kind of had my first exposure to pornography. Um, it was on his computer and he had an older brother and I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, like explicit, but the things that like my friend was talking about, and I don't know, it just kind of became this thing where if I wanted, I kind of felt like if I wanted to be cool in school, then I needed to at least like know what they were, what kids were talking about or like, 
um, stuff like that. And so I think that kind of started, maybe sort of planted the seed um, and um, at, at a really young age, right? And when I look back, I'm just like, man, Satan really cheated big time. But um, from there, I think I was, I think I was 10 or 11 when, when masturbation and pornography really kind of became something that was going on in my life. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know what, what it, either of those things were to be, to be honest. Yeah. You didn't even know, like, like that's exactly what happened at my house. The, my, I remember telling my son, you're going to hear this word. It's masturbation. And when you hear it at school, I want you to come talk to me because I thought for sure he's not doing that. Yeah. But when you hear that word, I want you to come talk to me. Then we're going to talk about that. And he was already doing it. And he, okay. You know, so when he's 13, because his started at 11 as well. When he's 13, uh, he says, hey, mom, I heard that word school. And so I'm like, okay, this is what it is. And I was so uncomfortable and so not okay talking about it yeah. at that time that even after I described it, he didn't realize he was doing it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to help with that, like catching it earlier or, or anything like that. Like, I don't know. But, but what I did know in that moment was like somehow, some way, like I knew that even though I didn't know what it was, I knew that it was wrong. And that, that like determination of like, this is in my life and I don't want it in my life anymore. Even though I don't even know what it is, if it's bad, like if, if my parents might think it's bad, I don't know, but I just, I don't like the way it makes me feel. Um, and it led to pursuing pornography more. And so that was, that was kind of the real, like, okay, this is definitely bad if it's making, like it's causing me to want it pursue pornography more and stuff like that so yeah and so it, it, that's where it turned into this like okay i'm gonna fight this right and like heavenly father please help me like help me know what i need to do help me to i don't want to do this anymore kind of a thing which was hard it's crazy when you look back how how the lord's hand was in in the details yeah right yeah. Like I just I'm looking at your face and I think you're such an excellent looking man. You know? <laughs> like you have the I wish you people could see him. He has the best hair. Like it's oh, naturally curly, I'm sure, right? It's just it so is. curly on top and he's just so handsome. And I'm thinking, when you're talking like that, um, I picture, you know, this little boy. And I'm thinking, how unfair is that? How ambushed is that do you know i mean how um yeah it's just so not okay and then to think of how many years um your generation like the kids that were there like when the internet came online um and all the parents like me were feeling like we have no idea what's going on like oh the internet great you know we just had no clue how dangerous how accessible, how damaging, um, and how 
relentless Satan would be at using that method to steal the innocence of our children. This didn't register to us like that. And so I think there was so much fallout with little kids like that. And now we're a little more experienced. We, we get a little more, but it's still, it just is. It's a war. It's a full-on war. So anyway, I just, man, I just think you're awesome. I feel for you that it started that young and you struggled that long. And when you were crying unto the Lord and saying, I need some help. I need some help. I know this isn't right, but I, I, I can tell I need to change. I need some help. Like what, um, what are some of the things that you noticed or you found sense of healing? Yeah, through it all, going through the struggle for such a long time on my own at such a young age, that strengthened my testimony. As, as, weird, as weird as it sounds, like it really did. I knew for myself without a doubt that Heavenly Father is real and that I have this relationship with Him and that He listens to me. And I learned about how prayers are answered and that, and that it's not always according to my time or, or um, you know, it's line upon line and precept upon precept and it takes time and it takes patience. But like my testimony from that experience is, uh, has been strengthened big time. And, and not only in like my relationship with Heavenly Father, but also having an understanding of Jesus Christ and his atonement and repentance. Um, I, I like, yeah, I became obsessed with learning about what is this repentance thing. And, and here, right here I am at like 11, 12, 13 years old. And I'm like, I, I need to learn. I need to understand what this means and how it applies to me. Because I think, I think there, there can be in primary or whatever, like, we just have this culture where we throw out kind of like a step-by-step process to repentance or to, I don't know, the gospel. How to pray. Yeah, exactly. And David, David A. Bednar talks about like the cookie cutter um, sort of ways that we go about things in, in our church culture. And through my experiences fighting this on my own at a young age, right? Like I was able to learn from the spirit kind of how, how repentance worked, worked for me, um, what my relationship was with Christ and, and the atonement. So, so yeah, it, it was hard, but like, when you talk about what things was, was I able to take away and pick up on before Sons of Hillman, absolutely that testimony. I, I wouldn't say I picked up on Satan and his influence. I think that's the biggest thing that Sons of Hillman kind of exposed for me. That is so impressive to me that you had a desire and were diligent toward learning about what's repentance, who's Christ, what the atonement. I mean, that's really amazing uh, for a little guy. That's pretty amazing to me. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah, that's so cool. So when you, when you um, got on, like, probably in young men's, you know, 12 years old, that's when your bishop's interviews start and all that. Like, did you ever tell your bishop and work with your bishop or? Well, so, uh, no, no. Part of the problem for me was that all, all the bishop 
would talk about or all we would talk about in young men's is uh, is the law of chastity and and what that entails right um no sexual relations outside of marriage and i'm like what does that really mean you know i don't really know what that means like you know what i mean so at a so yeah when i was 12 and and younger like that like that like uh pornography and masturbation wasn't discussed that much pornography was brought up in young men's uh classes i remember that but not in interviews with the bishop and i you know and i think satan is very involved in this but i was convinced that my struggles uh weren't necessarily like associated with the law of chastity or something like that right like i i think i just had understanding it was not you know it was never explained to me and so i just was like well like i don't need to go through that confessing then might as well not so wow and so um so maybe some advice to parents and ecclesiastical leaders might be extremely specific about what you're talking about when you're talking love chastity uh morally clean yeah i think it, yeah and i i don't bl- like i had amazing young men's leaders and my parents but i really think it it goes back you touched on this right when you talk to your son like it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and you're talking about these these things that for whatever reason it, it just brings those uncomfortable feelings and so I think that hinders a lot of, uh, you know, those great young men's leaders that I had from like being that specific. So, so I don't, but I don't blame them for, for that. Right. But that is, I don't know, that is something to definitely be aware of and, and um, something that I've taken away and hope to be able to apply uh, with my future family. Right. So definitely wanting to be open and honest with, with them. And so. Wow, it makes me wonder. So many parents, so many people have that uh, part of that discomfort in talking about things really specifically is this worry that parents have or bishops might have. If I say and explain this and they aren't doing it, they're just going to go do it. You know what I mean? Like, do you, uh, do you think they're going to do it anyway? Just tell them. So that at least they know. In my mind, at least like for me, right, this is kind of how it works for me is if it's not, if things aren't spelled out specifically, then my mind is going to want this, like, it's going to fill those cracks with, with whatever comes to mind, right? So like, I think that's what, what led me to kind of this misunderstanding. Like, I wish if I, I don't know, I don't have regrets, but if things would have played out differently, right? Where maybe I would have understood more clearly early on that these these behaviors that I was involved with were bad. Like were were these things that I would I need to you know get worked out and and uh, and like hey Bishop has resources he can help me, right? Like I didn't I didn't piece that together uh, early enough, and so I think that would have helped in my recovery for sure. So I love what you said. Um, it's better to just be very open and try to get over the awkward of it 
because if we don't, then there's all these little alleys and cracks and that, you know, kids are hearing at school and exactly. wondering about because they're seeing pictures or, you know, anyway, they're going to want to go figure it out anyway. It's best yeah. to just let them know that I'm your source. Exactly. Well, when you ordered that, Like Dragons Did They Fight book and read it, tell us what you thought of it. My mind was blown. I mean, it was, it was just one of those aha moments. Um, and the scenarios that Maurice was describing, it was like, wow, he actually understands. Like, this is ex I was like, this is exactly what's going on inside my mind. Um, and so I think that was, that was huge to know that like, I'm not an anomaly. Like I'm not like on my own. Right. Like, mm -hmm. so that was huge. And then also, um, it's so important to recognize who the enemy is. Um, that's not ourselves. Um, and, and to, to really, uh, direct, that energy in, in the right direction. Um, and so that's kind of what, those were, those were my big takeaways from reading the book, I think the first time, as well as like the drills and the, and the doing border patrols, things like that, so. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, it's, I remember the first time I got to read that book, my son had already gone through the Sons of Healing program or was in it. They didn't have manpower calendars or, um, or you're going to book. They just had a little handbook that they used. Very thin little handbook. And um, Maurice will pull that out. I just, I just saw him pull it out last week in, our, in a meeting we were in. And, you know, I kind of shake it. And he said, you know what? Boys were graduating even with this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was, um, but when he got it all in this book, because I'd read the handbook when my, son was in sense of human but when he wrote that book i remember reading lines over and over and over again because it was like that is so true that's exactly what i would describe that like but not have the words to describe it yeah so inspired yeah, yeah so good so when you when you read the book then you said okay now i think i want to join a group mom what was your mom's uh response the reason i ask is because the last thing i wanted to believe is that my son had an addiction i didn't think he needed help like come on you don't need some help you know but it became very obvious after a while he did but initially i didn't want to know that i think my mom was very much going through the same the same uh things and and i i love my mom and she's she's so great but it's it's hard for her, right, to understand exactly what it's like uh, for for me. So I think you know she she got me the book, and I think she kind of I don't know for sure, but I, I took from her kind of behavior and stuff that what she expected was, oh, we'll get him this book. He'll read it. He'll learn how to how to beat it, and that'll be the end. And so when I had the book and I, and the book did help, it helped a lot, 
but I was still, I was still losing every now and then. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think the same kind of thing for my mom, right? It was, it was, might've been hard for her to come to grips with, with that reality that, Hey, my son like is still struggling and, um, we need to kind of go through some more, a more serious, uh, recovery approach. Um, but she, she did, you know, my mom and dad ended up being very, very supportive and helpful and they still are. So grateful. Excellent. What, um, when you, when you got to sense of healing, you mentioned this a little earlier about, you know, just feeling like I'm not an anomaly, not alone when you were reading the book. Um, but what were your thoughts about like really going to a group? Did you think that really labels me? Like I really am that guy. If I have to go to a group, were you feeling like that too? Yeah. And I think a tender mercy along the way was as I was kind of looking into sense of feeling um, actually came across one of my good friends. Uh, he's someone that I really admire and I just, I was, oh, I've always just been like, wow, you're so cool. You're such a stud. So awesome. And I, I realized, like I learned that he had actually gone through Sons of Um, and that, that, that really helped me be like, okay, wait, like there are some really cool, awesome people. Like if Sons of Healman is, is producing kids that are, are this kind of caliber, then like, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's gotta be an awesome program. So, um, and then when I went, uh, for the first time, definitely realized like, dang, these kids are, are legit. Um, they're awesome. They, and, and we're all in this together definitely had that team camaraderie kind of feeling. So. And you mentioned that you, before your mission, you were in Maurice Parker's group. Yeah. And what was it like to be in Maurice's group? Cause we have so many clinicians now. And I mean, I work with all of the parents and when Maurice comes to meetings, I actually have to introduce him and tell everybody who he is. Like, you know, like, yeah, this is Maurice and this is who he is. Cause they just, all they know is their son's clinician. Yeah. Son's a PMI, you know? Yeah. So I, I want them to know this is Maurice. He wrote the book and you know, yeah. he this, is his program. Program. Yeah. this is his program. And so anyway, but yeah, what was it like, um, take having, being in Maurice's group? Uh, what's some things you can tell us about Maurice? He, I mean, when we, were, when we were talking about the book earlier, you, you said how inspired it was. He is inspired. He really is inspired. Um, it was crazy. Every, I would bring my journal with me to every class and have a pen and, and I would take notes and the things that Maurice would say um, and just the way that he created facilitated our group and our discussion and stuff like there was a lot of really really wonderful inspired um things that came out of that that ended up in my journal um, which i'm grateful for but yeah so i mean he's inspired and he he's very good at what he does being a, a therapist right but um 
he's also very good at connecting with young men, I think. I'm not sure if he gets enough credit for that. I know he's, he's involved with marriage counseling and things like that, but like, he's just really, really good. You know, how do you get a group of young men to, to care so much or to listen and pay attention? I don't know, but he knows. He's really good at it. And so that's something I'd say. That's excellent. Grateful, grateful for the chance I had to learn from him. Awesome. And when you um, were preparing for your mission, is that when you started working with your bishop? And, or did yeah. you? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so kind of real quick, I mean, I went through the program once I got to Sons of Thielman fairly quickly. Um, kind of was like, okay, now that I've made it through that, we're good. Uh, things started to kind of pick back up uh, with with some of those struggles. Came back through the program again, and by this time it was like junior year, high school, I think, roughly that right around that time. So, uh, as I was meeting with my bishop, um, who was pretty new, he was he was a pretty new bishop, but I had known him since I was young. Um, and he's awesome. You know, I really felt like I could tell him anything. And yeah, as I started working, working, working with the, the mission papers um, through that process, was able to talk to him about this. Because at that point, right, like it had been in, in my past and, and he was just really, really awesome, really helpful. Um, and, and I'll, you know, I'll say this about talking to bishops. Maybe people have this perception that they're going to be angry or upset at you or, and maybe that happens. But in my experience, when I've spoken to bishops about my struggles with pornography and masturbation, every single time they cry. There's there. And, and it's, um, it's kind of like when you tell your mom, that you're still struggling or whatever and, and there's tears and, and I like I feel sad. But I think with with the bishops it's been more like they understand very well how influential like Satan is and, and I think that's what makes them more sad is just that they see these these young individuals with a lot of potential that have to go through these struggles and these hard times and they, and it hurt that they, they care and love us so much. They feel, they feel sorry for us, you know, and, and they want to help. They want to do everything they can to help. So. So good. When you um, read the book, when you went to Sons of Helaman, and you, you said you had a, it was the first time you realized, okay, there's an enemy in this battle. This is a battle. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that stood stand out to you that shifted in your ability to overcome your struggles with pornography and masturbation just by understanding that? Yeah, it's it's huge. The having that paradigm shift to where you think it's all on you. Um, I'm so terrible, I'm so dumb, I'm so, you know, I don't know, whatever those negative thoughts that, that come to mind. 
it's not me. It's freeing um, when, you, when you realize who the enemy is. And it also allows you to, you know, if it is a battle, if it is this enemy that I'm up against, then I'm not fighting myself. I'm, I'm fighting an actual like entity. Like we can strategize. We can, we can um, prepare for battles. You know, um, it's, a, it's this completely different frame of mind that that that's really helped me change uh change the way that i was approaching um approaching my struggles so uh yeah so i'm just curious because you said that you um you learned about repentance you had a testimony of heavenly father learned a lot about the savior and then this newfound awareness of okay this is a real battle and i have a real enemy and I have recognized that Jesus Christ is like, he's my savior. And now that I have this kind of warrior language where I strategize and I, and I plan and I prophesy about what's coming and I, and I get ready and I make sure I'm prepared spiritually and emotionally. I have a lot of mental clarity about what I feel like and look like when I'm ready for battle. And what it feels like when I'm like, dude, you're vulnerable. Like the, the enemy is going to take you out kind of a thing. But it's almost like, how did that enhance your, um, just your relationship with, with what you already had learned, that testimony of the Savior? Like how did your knowledge of the enemy enhance and allow you to use more of the Savior's strength and the spirit in your battles? I think probably the first thing that it did was once I separated myself and Satan, now I can say, who am I really? Who am I? I knew before who God and Jesus Christ were, but like, who, who am I? And what kind of worth do I have? And, uh, and then when you, when I was able to uh, learn about, or yeah, I guess see kind of the positives in myself, um, it, it that is enabling, and it enabled me to to really I think uh, go to the Lord now and say, I can do this with you type of a thing, right? Like, let's, let's, like, I want to do this together. Whereas before, I think it was more just like, you know, I'm the enemy, God, like, you please save me, do something to help me out here. Because whereas now it's like, no, we know that Satan is the enemy. And I'm capable of working with you, God, in this to, to defeat Satan. And so definitely empowering. I think for me personally, this will make me emotional, but for me personally, I just think that became the coolest thing in my life. Once I understood these principles was, um, I don't think I really could have connected 
with how personal the atonement was and how accessing the Savior's power in my life to win my own personal battles was so possible until I identified the enemy and how he was affecting my thoughts, you know, like not every voice in your head is a trusted voice, um, and that there was some biochemical vulnerability that I had that I had no idea that I had. And then I could watch myself, my mood battles and things like that and realize, okay, I know when I have my agency to turn and choose. And like, it's like, it was like Jesus Christ became my savior and my champion, my captain in this battle. Such a neat way to approach, I think, things in this day when we are really surrounded by the enemy. Like, even, even good people have to put on their spiritual galoshes and go out and traipse through God. Tell me, um, God, your mission, and then what? And then what? Yeah, good question. Uh... It's like, well, okay. I had the best mission that I possibly could have asked for. And I came back home and, you know, first night back, I cried myself to sleep because I, I did not want to be back home. And, and, and I don't know. I just, I knew that like there would be struggles up ahead and I had to like think about my own life now and like, have some sort of a plan, or at least that's what I felt like. And, you know, uh, I don't have a purpose anymore. Like I used to have such a clear purpose on my mission. It was really hard. It was really hard for me to come back. And I had great habits. Um, I was reading scriptures. I was praying. I was attending the temple, going to church. Um, and yet, Satan kind of came back with, with, uh, he was wearing, he was wearing sheepskin, but he was the wolf underneath. Right. And, um, and came back with some of those old struggles of pornography and masturbation. And, and yeah, that was definitely unwanted. <laughs> it was definitely unwanted and definitely, uh, not foreseen. Um, and I think, uh, right. My parents and myself were obviously hoping like, Oh, this is something that, you know, yeah, he went on a mission. Like he's good. He's done. Um, but unfortunately that's not, it's not always the case. I think it's rarely the case actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's what everybody wants to hope and believe is the case. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's rarely the case. I mean, oh, just what you described coming home from a mission, such a place of vulnerability because the adjustment is so, um, it's such a contrast, you know? And like you said, there's just a lot of pressure to, I got to be the man. I got to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Right. There's so many decisions to make, so many things to, to do, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just the stress and the anxiety from that, I guess, are probably the, the main emotional culprits that, um, Satan took advantage of. And, uh, yeah, kind of ended up, ended up with, with those struggles again. And thankfully, uh, Sons of Healman, um, Life Changing Services has a, 
a YSA group where it's kind of made for uh, people like myself. There, there are a lot of RMs that um, that go there. So that was that was again. It was it was really great to be able to go back and again, like I'm not an anomaly. Like this is this is uh, something that a lot of people go through um, after coming home from a mission. So very, uh, very great to have that, that support, um, from, from going back to group. So, um, when you went back to group, it wasn't Maurice's group. It was a different group. Yeah. Um, but did you notice any dynamic being now that you're a man going through that group? Like what's different? Yeah. So what's different is, uh, we're all, we're at, like all of us that are in this group are at different stages of our lives than we were before. Before, right, people wanted to, people were fighting or they were, they were there because they wanted to go on a mission. And that was, that's kind of probably the ultimate motivating factor for uh, those other groups. Um, but, but with this YSA group, right, we all are, uh, we all have that mission experience and kind of a different level of maturity a very different level of maturity and different, different goals for, for, um, our lives, uh, and able to kind of look at the battle from a different perspective of like, now we're, we're focused on winning for, for our future families. And, and, uh, and like, that's very real to us. Yeah. Our, our future, our future wives and our future families under the, you know, the, the best like household that we can, that we can provide as, as husbands and fathers and not allowing Satan to mess with our families. Right. So it's a, it's a different perspective. All right. Well, and now you are, you're going to college and you're really good at math. I don't know about that. I, I like math. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, and you're probably noticing which one of these girls should I marry? Yeah. 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 Which one of these girls? It's going to be my girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a cool time. It is. It's uh, the confidence that comes from knowing that you're winning battles in that arena is huge. Yeah, absolutely. This makes all the difference. What would you say to another guy in your same season of life that's struggling, but just is like, you know, I'm not going to commit social suicide and say that I struggle with that. Yeah, that's not my problem. I just, I'm not going to go there. I think this will get better when I get married. Confidence that a man has when he knows I know how to fight this battle. Even though it's a struggle, I know how to win. I know how to fight. I know how to stay clean. And and offer something honorable to a woman who looking for a man with a lawyer heart who knows how to preside, provide, and protect. I guess I would just bear testimony to him that, like, I know that in the grand scheme of things, plan of salvation, nothing is more important than getting sealed in the temple worthily to an eternal companion and from there you know establishing 
a home of, in, in righteousness. And whatever my friend's pride is or whatever that's keeping him from uh, coming to grips with, with his struggles. And maybe, you know, he thinks like, uh, when I get married, it'll get better or whatever. That, that is, that mindset, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth holding on to uh, your struggles right now and not fighting it the right way because it, it will inevitably lead to destroying families. That's exactly what Satan's out to do. And nothing is more important in the, in the grand scheme of things in the plan of salvation than, than establishing that home in righteousness and the gospel. That's excellent. Well, in closing, Adam, why do you fight? I fight first and foremost because I understand who I am as a son of God and a God in embryo. I fight because I also understand the divine nature of all my brothers and sisters around me. I refuse to support in any way any activity that diminishes another's divine nature. I fight to live at um, the chemical level zero, right? I fight to live in, in my awesome self. I fight to always have the spirit with me. I need the spirit so much. I need him to know how to do my homework, right? I need him to know how to date. I, like there's so many things. I need the spirit right now so much. That's why I fight right now. And, and I don't give up because, like I just said, nothing else matters as much as, as winning and being that, that worthy uh, companion to my, to my future eternal companion. Adam, you, you are a Spartan. I'm going to come watch you be a Spartan. Okay, great. Do it. That'll be fun. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you so much for your service, being willing to share. It's so helpful. And really, that would be cool to see someone at the end of a Spartan race. Yeah. Like, I bet you look like pretty like gnarly. Like it's probably yeah. like, oh, a mess. up, a little dirty. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, you are the same way spiritually. Like, you know what? When you know what it looks like and is like to be pretty beat up a little dirty and to love it yeah like, i can do this yeah it's great awesome. <laughs> thank you